Welcome to Business Unmuted Live, a video business discussion at 5pm each Wednesday, which is later shared on platforms including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Joining us today is David Smith, Economics Editor at The Sunday Times, David Crane, Chief Operations Officer at Virtu Motors PLC, and Pamela Petty, Business Growth Specialist and Mentor and part of the family that devised EBAC washing machines, among other manufactured goods in County Durham. We'll be discussing the hot topics of the business week, including some fascinating data shared by David Smith's most recent Sunday Times column. Let's have a quick look at that data. Uh, as announced by the Office of National Statistics, tax revenues increased in April 2021 compared to April 2020, which was the height of the first national lockdown. Overall, tax receipts went up by 7%, VAT increased by 8.8%, and income tax and capital gains tax increased by 31.1%. So a positive year-on-year -year tax rise should allow the government to make inroads into public sector borrowing. But taking a look at the government deficit, the deficit figure currently sits at more than £300 billion, a large increase on the previous year's figure of £57 billion. And though this is the highest borrowing on financial year records, it's lower than the original estimates. David's column also concluded by referencing the Department of Transport's data on public transport and traffic use. Between 18th and 24th of May, just a few weeks ago, heavy commercial and light commercial vehicle traffic was of more than 100% of normal levels. Car use had almost returned to pre-pandemic levels, sitting at just below 100% of normal rates. All these indicators showing a vibrant and reopening economy. Let's talk to David to find out what he thinks the data demonstrated. Very interesting data, David. What was your take when you first read it? Well, um, Graham, I think this is all part of the story of a, uh, a very powerful bounce back for the economy, for business, uh, as the reopening happens, uh, which is also flattered by the comparisons with a year ago when, uh, when things were extremely depressed. You know, we've never had anything like uh, a lockdown before in peacetime. And the first one, which, as you'll remember, was announced on uh, or took effect from March the 23rd, uh, 2020, and then lasted quite a few weeks. And, and the, the thing about that lockdown was that um, quite a lot of activities closed down, which uh, weren't required to. So a lot of factories closed, um, even though that wasn't in the legislation, a lot of construction sites closed, and we didn't really know how to cope with it. So, so the story of the past year or so has been essentially that um, we've had three lockdowns now, of course, each one we've got better at managing and trying to sort of eke out normal levels of economic activity. So, you know, in the first lockdown, we saw a collapse in GDP, a collapse in tax revenues, uh, a collapse in, uh, in new car sales, as I'm sure David is, it will tell us. And the subsequent lockdowns have seen much smaller effects, still effects that we want to see come out of. But uh, and we, you know, we, we we're looking for a full relaxation um, uh, as long as the data allows. But but these are, you know, this the economy is going this trampoline effect that we're seeing for the economy. Big fall last year, concentrated in that period, roughly a year ago, uh, the spring and early summer of 2020. Complete contrast this year. So last year. Biggest drop in GDP since the Great Frost of 1709, 
this year we should see the strongest GDP figure. It's going to be quite difficult not to get GDP growth of, uh, of 7% this year. And as, a, as somebody who's followed the history of the Conservative Party, Graham, you'll know that the, uh, the previous post-war record was in the barber boom mm-hmm. uh, of uh, 1973. 7% will beat that. It will take us back to the best growth rate since 1941, or if you prefer peacetime, either 1927 or 1870. So this, this powerful trampoline effect. But you, as you alluded to, you know, these, the, the taxes coming through, the fact that public spending is also lower than it was a year ago, is starting to repair the public finances. But the deficit is starting from a very high level, okay. more than 300 billion in the, uh, the fiscal year, the tax year just ended. And pretty much everybody expects a figure of more than 200 billion in this tax year, which to me is still very too high for comfort. And as I said in that piece, is no excuse for the beginnings of people starting to take their eyes off the ball and relax about the budget deficit. That's not how the Treasury is thinking, and I don't think it's how anybody else should think. Well, there's two questions, two comments that roll into a question on that. You talk about trampoline effect. The logic of that analogy is that it will come down again because you're bouncing up and down. And then you talk about uh, Barber in the 1970s. That was called the Barber boom, but it was followed very quickly by a bust and an inflationary one as well. Yes, it, it was. Uh, no, I think the uh, I would use the trampoline just um, uh, as uh, an example of us um, of the, the, the single bounce at the moment, because uh, this year will look good. And I think next year will as well. They'll be mm. carried through mm. some of the things the Chancellor has done, for example, to, you know, we, we were before the March budget expecting this um, this recovery to be driven overwhelmingly by consumer demand, pent-up demand, people spending those involuntary savings that they uh, they built up during lockdown, and, and there's a lot of them, you know, uh, a couple of hundred billion of those. So, but in, in fact, you know, the budget also increased incentives to invest through the uh, super deduction scheme. So I think we'll see business investment quite strong. So this isn't a one-year wonder. It will, uh, I think it will carry through to next year. On the inflation point, we are seeing, you know, a lot of cost pressures coming through, and that will be reflected in a period in which inflation goes up quite sharply from now on. The question of how far it goes up, you know, in, in as recently as 2011, we saw 5% inflation. 2017, we saw 3% inflation. It wouldn't surprise me to see 3% inflation again. But I think as long as people don't think that we're back to the bad old days, and this is a big inflation of the sort that uh, that was in in uh, in train in 1973 and took us up to more than 25% in 1975. Nothing like that is on the cards. I think it's a these are you know what America's central bank, the Federal Reserve, calls transitory effects. What most of us would call temporary effects. You know you can see it in, uh, and I'm sure David will recognise this as well. You can see it in petrol prices. You know, they're up about 20% year on year because the oil price is up by more than that, you know. So, uh, so, but I think they are temporary effects. As long as people don't think we've returned to the days of inflation, I think we'll be okay when these temporary effects wash through. But I know that pay claims are starting to look a little bit inflationary, aren't they? And when, when, you, when, you have, when you have government pay coming in at 1% being offered for the nurses, for example, and then CPI being 1.5% and RPI being 3.2%, you start to get quite a bit of pressure in the system. 
There is. I mean, most of the evidence on pay settlements is still very subdued. You know, they are in the one and a half to two percent area. Uh, and the government's one percent for public sector workers, there will be drifts within that. So a lot of public sector workers will get more than that and are getting more than that at the moment. I mean, public, public sector workers didn't go on furlough, unlike a lot of private sector workers. But even so, public sector pay is rising 5% year on year at the moment. And, you know, I would, I would, I would just warn you to brace yourself for some pretty spectacular official figures on average earnings over the next two or three months. You know, we're, you know, at the moment, average earnings are rising across public and private sector about four and a half percent year on year. Because of what was happening a year ago, it's quite likely that we'll see seven or eight percent pay growth, average earnings growth year on year in the next couple of months. It will settle down after that as, as you know, as we move through to a period of more normal things that were happening in the, in the second half of last year. But, but I think you know, it will be quite easy, and you'll see headlines about this. Is this, is this the return of the old wage price spiral? You know, so uh, so just be alert for that. I think I don't I don't think we're seeing pay really move off the scale, but we will get some big and hefty numbers over the next couple of months. Interesting, David. Let's bring you in from Virtue Motors, Chief Operations Officer. Uh, the the numbers on your business are quite staggering. You have 149 dealerships. You represent 32 manufacturers. You're the fifth largest retail uh, for, for motor vehicles in the country with a turnover of two and a half billion. Now, how has your performance been? What, what did the lockdown year and the present year, how do they contrast? They certainly contrast. Lockdown, as David described, really absolutely. Uh, we had a first three months where the business largely stopped, uh, March 23rd onwards. And I remember sitting in a PLC board meeting on about March 25th thinking, oh, my Lord, uh, what on earth are we going to do with 6,000 people and, and no businesses open? And that was pretty scary. And those first three months, uh, we lost 15 million pounds, so March, April, May. Uh, from June to February, which is our financial year end, so February 2020, we then made 39 million pounds. So it really was that sharp cliff edge drop in uh, activity, followed by pretty strong bounce back in demand, uh, which is conforms exactly to what David described. Um, our best ever month on used cars was July. 2020 uh, up until last month, which surpassed that fairly significantly. So uh, we've seen businesses as a whole, and we've been no different adapting to the challenges that lockdowns brought. And again, I agree with David that lockdown one was traumatic. Lockdown two was a bit of a problem and lockdown three what was lockdown three in terms well, of- I've just looked at data. You sold nearly 40,000 cars we in did. lockdown three. So, 38,500 cars with all of the dealerships being closed between January and March. Um, and in fairness, that includes some fleet volume, but it, the, the vast majority of that was retail. And customers customers adapted just as businesses adapted to different ways of doing things. Um, and that's that's great news. And since April the 12th and the, the release of the lockdown then, uh, we've seen demand for vehicles and demand for after-sales services being exceptionally strong. Um, which is great news for us, but also great news for customers uh, wanting to get into new cars or what, different cars. 
Well, you say new cars or, or other cars, different cars, but if it's used cars, prices apparently, according to the uh, various commentators, are going up. Maybe it's the right time to get a, a new car if a used car is going to be more expensive. What, what's, what, how does that break down? I'll try and avoid coming across as a used car salesman and telling people <laughs> it's a great time to buy a new car. Uh, however, um, yeah, it, it's simple supply and demand. Uh, if you think of the new car market in 2020, it was pretty much 700,000 units short of what it would normally be. And therefore, those changes that cascade down the market from a new car being sold and a part exchange being taken in to that part exchange being sold again means that the the volume of used cars available in the market is is much lower than would normally be the case. And again, on the fleet side of the business, fleets didn't change their their vehicles during 2020, or a large number of them didn't. So just the volume of used cars is not available as it normally would be, and that's driving uh, prices up pretty significantly. Do you concur with David Smith when it comes to the points on inflation, where he's saying, look, it's to be looked at and watched, but it's not something to cause you to fret and lose sleep at night? Uh, yes, and I would expect uh, the government to take appropriate but fairly gentle monetary uh, policy action in order to resolve any inflationary pressures that are bringing up. But I agree with David, I think they're transitory. Uh, I think there is a levelling of supply and demand that uh, I think people don't quite understand how much supply of pretty much everything was disrupted last year. And certainly in complex areas like car production um, with really complex supply chains, resolving all of that dislocation is actually a tough job for the manufacturers. Uh, and that, that I think will take another six months or so to resolve. On top of that, there's the well-reported issue with um, supply of microchips, uh, which is a, a reasonably significant issue. It's not really hitting at the moment, but I think quarter three and quarter four this year there might be shortages of new cars uh, around that inability to produce them because of the, the sheer number of semiconductors that are involved in cars these days. Well, I've ordered a new Land Rover Defender from you and I hope it's not disrupted. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do my best. <laughs> Pamela Petty, your family established the only washing machine manufacturing plant in the country, in County Durham, and it's sorting out the supply uh, problems by making it all here. Yeah, make, making most of it here. And I think that this is something that the government need to take a good look at and you know sort of invest in British owned supply chains that can get all the parts to us so that we don't get this kind of disruption hopefully we never get another pandemic like this but just makes more sense anyway because actually having most of the stuff made here and the businesses owned here will certainly help that um, deficit that we've got um, to bring down because it's massive isn't it I mm. mean it's 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 just way too big um, we've spent another third in terms of the government spend to what they would normally spend on things. So that's huge. Now, um, I don't think your firm furloughed people because you were allowed to keep operating, weren't you? We did furlough, obviously, the, um, the factory closed for a couple of weeks. And I think most of Aircliff mm. um, Business Park was like that. Um, they closed for the first couple of weeks on the first lockdown and then found ways to get the factories back up and running. Um, there were some staff furloughed, um, office staff, so anything that could be done at home was done at home, but obviously running production yeah. um, needs to be done in yes, the lines. Line, yeah. 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 So um, 
One last word on manufacturing, because I want to ask you about your other work with new entrepreneurs. But on, on manufacturing, do you think that the market demand that's there now is going to assist you in getting your British-made washing machines out there and well, bought? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an appetite, I think, more and more for British-made um, products. I mean, you were talking about cars and things earlier. You know, there aren't very many cars made here now. So I think that we can do we can do it as well as anybody else, if not better. Some of the tests that we've done recently shows that uh, the British-made washing machine is slightly better than some of the um, German-made German, German -made brands. Uh, we'll leave that there. Um, but yeah, so I, I think there's a huge appetite for it. We're, there is. It has brought the nation together somewhat, this, to kind of get out of it. And I hope that we don't forget that, particularly with some of the smaller businesses as well. Now you're mentoring young entrepreneurs and small businesses, and they're taking people on for the first time. Some of these, yeah. uh, some of these entrepreneurs you're mentoring, um, but the labour market is tight, and and you would think that in the northeast of England it would be easy to recruit people. But actually, uh, unemployment in the northeast no longer number one. David, that's true. London is sadly, uh, we're no longer Absolutely. number one. Uh, what What is your, your view on the tightening of the labour market and what can be done about that? Well, I think perhaps changing or challenging some of our younger people's views on um, what they're going to do when they leave school. As you know, um, I think it's three or four years ago it changed that um, children can't leave at the age of 16 now. We've got to do another two years of education or apprenticeships. And a lot of those kids don't know what they want to do. It's a bit of a two-year waste in education, my opinion. So perhaps we could let those 16-year-olds out into the world of work, do some of those jobs in hospitality and leisure that we're struggling to recruit into, and give them perhaps two years of education credit that they can go back in a couple of years' time, five years' time, when they've matured a little bit perhaps, know a little bit more about what they might want to do as a longer-term career, and actually use the two years of training or education credit then to actually so a more formalised way of getting getting an early job and that experience that maybe you'd get on a Saturday would be more formalised yeah, through the week. Yep, absolutely. I mean... Why not? Yeah, paper jobs, working in the hairdressers. That's what a lot of us did. Working in shops, you know, retail, mm. just learning things that you don't learn, or can't learn when you're at school. I'll let David Smith have the last word on that. But David <laughs> Crane, I know you are uh, committed to apprenticeships and young people in your business. And you will have your own staff and, uh, uh, and recruitment uh, uh, opportunities. I know you've got lots of uh, vacancies at the moment. Uh, yeah, we've actually got more vacancies than we've ever had in the history of the group. That's mainly due to expansion. Uh, but nevertheless, we're running with over 400 live vacancies. Uh, and we are seeing a definitive tightening of the labour market and finding it harder to recruit. And I think that just speaks to general economic activity being pretty damn robust. Robust. And whilst that's difficult in the short term, actually, that strength in the economy is clearly a great thing for both our business and everybody else's. So it's not something that we'll, uh, we'll see as a, a really big negative, but it, it will cause some problems and tightening, I think, in the next six months or so. I think some of it is that everyone in, went into survival mode during the, the, you know, the real dark days of the lockdown and recruitment and development of people really went onto the back burner. And I, I would say we were just as guilty as that, of that as everybody else. Uh, and now people are bringing back those opportunities uh, and, and looking at growth, which has got to be a good thing for the economy, but it, it's going to cause us some slight dislocation over the next six months or so. David, I'll give you the last word as we, we wrap up on, the, on today's uh, programme, but uh, you will see that 
there's tightening markets and labour. You hear Pamela's innovative idea. In the context of where we are in the labour market, is do you think there a justification for continuing with furlough till September? Well, um, it's a good question. I mean, the, the reasons for the tight labour market are uh, are many and varied. I mean, particularly down e- in London and the South East, the, um, the departure of EU migrant workers is, is quite a big issue in the hospitality sector. Um, and I think, uh, to take David's point, I think it's also some individuals have have changed their attitude to work as a result of the um, of the pandemic. You know, uh, we we we've done very well um, or badly, depending on which way you look at it. Keeping older people in work in this country, but I think many older people have decided that uh, after the pandemic, they want to get something out of their retirement, so they've decided not to carry on working. Younger people, um, to take the, the point that was made about that, you know, they they've actually moved towards staying longer in education than uh, moving into work. And to pick up on David's point, you know, um, the Bank of England and others have found that one, one reason for the difficulty in recruitment is that people in existing jobs uh, are reluctant to change because they, uh, you know, they see risk in change. So, so we've become a little bit more risk averse. I, um, the furlough scheme, you know, we're in essentially the last month now of full furlough and then it will be wound down gradually until the end of September. I think a gradual wind down is the right way to do it. I, I, I certainly think there was a stronger case for extending furlough than there was, for example, for extending the stamp duty cut, which the Chancellor also did in the uh, in the budget. But just on um, on Pamela's point, you know, the the um, rather than taking kids out of school, we still have hundreds of thousands and thousands of so-called NEETs, you know, uh, kids who are not in education, uh, employment or training. The first port of call, and I think maybe we got a bit lazy about that when we had, a, you know, EU workers on tap, is getting them into the labour market. You know, mm-hmm. if you can get them into the labour market, train them up, they benefit and the country benefits enormously. And uh, that would be my first port of call if I was um, if I was able to wave a magic wand on this on, on, on that kind of policy. I think on that note, because Pamela is agreeing with you and she's chairman of a college, <laughs> so I'm sure she would. David Smith, David Crane, Pamela Petty, thank you very much. And thank you for joining us on Business Unmuted.